The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined once again by my one and only bro host, Reagan's brother, Shane. <laughs> Shane Kelly. Uh, just the two of us this week, but we are talking about a real big game as far as, as short game video games go. Uh, we're talking about Sable, uh, which came out this year. Actually, excuse me, that's wrong. Came out last year, Time came out in september of last year uh 2021 from developer shedworks and publisher raw fury uh and it is available on a bunch of platforms including uh consoles steam and it's also on game pass uh, which is part of how we played it yeah it's a great pick on game pass and uh it's definitely just one of the best looking games that i think i have seen in a long time certainly that we've done for this show mm-hmm. this was on my list of shame from 2021 you know this, this is that you always end up with this like list of games that are showing up on everyone else's best of the year lists towards the end of the year and i'd had this on my list for a long time and i was excited when it came out thinking like oh yeah absolutely we'll get to this but it just came out you know just before like the maddening end of the year rush and it just never quite percolated into our into our immediate playlist so i'm really glad to you know get to it early in 2022 um because if you miss this at the end of 2021 uh, this is a really great game i think it's definitely worth checking out for anybody who likes open world anything um and if you aren't somebody who gets the chance to indulge that open world itch very often because maybe you prefer the shorter experiences that we kind of stick to this is one of those rare like uh, 10-ish hour open world things that gives you a true open, you know, undirected, sort of self-directed narrative kind of I feel. I think the word sandbox is especially applicable to this game. Yes. I don't like sand. <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the quote? I'm not going to bother. Well, I think it's actually worth noting here that the name Sable is, you know, also possibly could read as... Uh, uh, sable, which is like the French word oh, for sand. Really? Huh. Yep. Okay. Well, Sable is the ma- name of the main character, who is a adolescent girl from a from a desert clan called the Ibixi, living on a planet. We don't learn a whole lot about the world around unless you really go digging, and we'll get to some of that later. Maybe it counts as spoilers. But what you learn right up front is that you're part of this clan, the Ibixi. And they, or maybe even everyone across this world, have a tradition uh, where when a person comes of age, they leave their clan on a kind of a, a hovering rumspringa called mm-hmm. the gliding, uh, where she gets this special technological slash magical power to hover, hence the gliding. And she also gets a cool, sweet hover bike. So I guess that's also part of the gliding. And she leaves her clan for an indeterminate amount of time to sort of explore the world and find her place in it. Uh, And also, this is a world in which, uh, for cool aesthetic reasons, but also maybe cultural and even, I don't know, uh, technological reasons, everybody wears a mask. So um, everybody has some kind of unique, cool-looking mask. And part of the gliding is to determine what sort of person you're going to be for the rest of your life and what mask you will wear. So that's the that's the mission of this game. Explore the world of Sable and uh, and try to figure out what kind of mask you're going to wear for the yeah. rest of your life. It's a very cool structure for this kind of thing because it, this is – obviously there are a lot of video games and you know media in general that are a coming-of-age story uh, or are in some way about finding your identity. But – this game is very much focused on that aspect of the story. Most games, by the time, uh, you know, most games will introduce like uh, the 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 dark demon who will destroy the world unless our hero acts quickly. Uh, you know, early on in the story, but in this one, this game is more about uh, f- the the lead character figuring out you know, who they are and who they want to be, and it remains that kind of throughout the whole story. So 
it, it's it kind of makes sense that this is a game about finding that mask that that that's this tangible representation of who you are both in fiction and just you know the idea of customizing your character is also a big part of what you do in this game getting the uh there's tons of different costumes and bike parts and uh things like that so it's uh it's a game about kind of roaming the the wilderness and and finding your identity which is just a very cool um structure for a story for a video game not something you see all the time yeah it's also we can't get too much farther into this without talking about its incredible look um sable has been on my radar to one degree or another since about 2016 which is i think when the team started first tweeting about it and this is a game that presents incredibly well in gif and screenshot form and every time anybody on this development team tweeted a gif it got shared pretty widely and so this was one of those games that was like really hotly anticipated in indie game circles because they figured out a an art style here that is I wouldn't say this is the only game that's ever done this, but like extremely unique looking art style. Um, it's a, it's a it's a fully three D game, so you know it takes place in a open world, fully three D characters. Um, calling it like uh, uh, flat shaded or cell shaded is kind of reductive. This is doing a very specific uh, shader style where it has these very um, clearly like carefully hand chosen palettes that shift depending on the context. So you might be like in some areas where you get these pastel colors or dark greens or deep blues, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Really, really expressive color palettes uh, on very flat shaded 3D models. and High contrast. Yes, yeah. And with line art style that's like really unique. You don't see this sort of thing where it's like doing this like clearly it's doing some kind of like edge detection and making every single frame look like a hand illustrated uh like uh, uh pen and watercolor art which is really hard to pull off i would imagine and this it, it, this is something that i very unique looking the the look of this has mostly been compared to the work of mobius who is the uh kind of french graphic novelist uh, his real name was like Jean Giraud and uh, he so that but is that that's a little bit of a of a reductive comparison but I think that's it's pretty apt because of so much uh sci-fi work in his canon but the look of this is is just kind of overall um the look of French comics right which there's a there's a really cool and long tradition of French comics and they look different from you know comics from elsewhere in the world it's a very unique um look if you think about things like tintin or uh even stuff like asterix or the smurfs you know he'll they have a a, a light line weight uh light and consistent line weight uh bright colors solid bright solid colors and um the the biggest thing is high detail, especially in things like the backgrounds and environments. You know, even when you have something like the Smurfs, you know, the characters that are more realistic or the backgrounds and stuff can be very realistic. But I, I think with Mobius, the biggest analogy that people are are tying is this uh, his I think his most famous and longest running graphic novel series, The Inkle, which was really uh, the inspiration for just tons of well also he was very inspirational influential because he did a lot of um work in um in hollywood uh with um if you ever saw the uh, incredible um uh, documentary of uh yadorowski's dune yes uh yadorowski the the like absolutely wild director uh worked with him to create the visual style for his pitched and never produced adaptation of uh, Frank Herbert's Dune, which yeah. is insane to look at and um, really, really worth. That's a great documentary. If you, uh, if you, even if you aren't super into Dune, but if you're into sort of the process of filmmaking and like, what does it look like for a crazy director to work with like wild visual artists and create an incredible pitch for a failed film, a failed pitch basically for a film, um, that that uh, that's an amazing documentary. I think it's on Netflix. 
Uh, and if it's not, you can probably yeah. find it someplace else. But yeah, that he's his art style is incredible for sci-fi. Um, if you if you just Google Mobius art or something like that, you'll find a bunch of incredible uh, yeah. stuff you can just you know pull up on your phone and be like, wow, this was this is incredible art style that you can definitely see reflected in this game. Yeah, he he's he's famous here in a lot of this because uh, he worked for like storyboards and concept art on things like the fifth element. Oh, uh, I forgot about the fifth element. Uh, That's Tron, right. alien stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, so he was very influential in Hollywood, especially. And, uh, you know, and his, his comics work is just insane. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you'll see these, cr- you'll see these crowd scenes that are like a where's Waldo, um, or, uh, or there's, uh, like his designs for spaceships and environments and stuff is all very unique and distinctive and just very clean, uh, drawn like a draftsman, you know? Yeah. And that's what this game looks like. Another comparison, not to dwell too much in that zone, but like another comparison for folks, if if you played um, uh, Manifold Garden, uh, which is a game that I talked about a lot on this show, it was uh, easily in my top games of the year, the year that came out. And, um, it's another game that does a similar vibe in terms of like shader art here. Uh, it, Manifold Garden is doing much more of the sort of like geometrical shapes. There's none of the sort of natural shapes or ruins. There's no human figures in Manifold Garden. But the way that it does, it's sort of like the same kind of thing. Very um, bold, uh, but like not like like, like clear uh, draftsmanly, but not like overly thick lines, very consistent line work that looks like a draftsman type illustration, uh, paired with like really cool color palettes that are clearly very carefully chosen, um, similar kind of vibe. Um, and so seeing that kind of come to life with this game where it's not just these sort of architectural designs, but it's using that style to sort of evoke a, uh, a natural world, the sort of desert, mostly environments, but peppered through with things like crashed spaceships, nomad encampments, hovering, you know, motorcycles, um, all that kind of stuff. It just has this absolutely freaking incredible look. Um, you know, I, 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 this is an audio medium, so there's not that much more we can say about this other than yeah. that it looks awesome. Um, but yeah, y- you know this game when you see it. I'll I'll shout out to John from Gaming of the Wild, friend of the show, um, and he did an interview with these devs. And the thing right. that made me laugh in his interview was uh, just how how bowled over he was by the tents in this game. <laughs> and uh, he's not wrong; they're good. Tents. He's not wrong, actually. Like the, the, one of the cool things about this uh, the design is um, the the game, of course, is all about this world and this culture that you're exploring and seeing their architecture layered on top of like, you know, there's, there's strata to this world. There's Mm -hmm. the, uh, there's, there's history. Uh, in fact, the world quite reminds me of, um, when Ray in the first of the new star Wars movies was scrounging crashed ships on Jakku. Uh, that's the vibe I think that is kind of, very present in in the, the the look of the world, but the um, this definitely was an inspiration, I think. And uh, the but the 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 culture that has then grown out of all of these crashed ships and on this desert world, as you learn about it, like it it makes sense and it's a cool, well designed look. And part of that is the architecture and how the people live and. Uh, the the cities that they've built for themselves and how they're living, you know, in this planet kind of with this harsh environment. And uh, yeah, it's, so it's not just we're focusing on the the art style in terms of the look and, and this uh, artistic shader on it, but it really is top to bottom. It's the design of the characters and of the architecture and of the world. And all of it is of a piece to really create an excellent effect. The game looks gorgeous, Really, anytime you turn it on, anywhere you are, very whether you're in the middle of an empty desert or a city. So a few things uh, to say about this game. Uh, it's out on PC, Xbox One, and I think that's it. Like Xbox One and the Xbox Series, etc. series, right? Uh-huh. I don't believe this is out on any other platforms yet. Um, 
I think this is going to be a graphically intensive game for most people. So like, I'm sure it runs okay on the Xboxes, but I know that when it first came out, a lot of people had issues with uh, the uh, performance. Um, And there have been a lot of patches and updates since. So I know pretty shortly after the game came out, they did a patch to get it to run at 60 FPS on, I believe, at least the PC and Xbox Series versions. And that is an option, and I 100% recommend toggling it on if you can, uh, you know, your your setup uh, depending. Um, When I first booted up this game, uh, it ran locked at 30 FPS, and I'm not the sort of person who really cares about uh, frame rates, and that's not usually something that bugs me, but something s- sort of felt off to me about the performance of the game, and when I toggled that, immediately it felt better. And it's also something that really, like, it was. It also re- looked really cool because, like, this has this animation style that I also think really draws the eyes. Very interesting. Um, do you remember? Uh, there was a lot of talk when Spider-Man in- Enter Enter the Spider-Verse. Yeah came out that they did this thing where they the different characters were animated um with kind of different frame rates or they did uh they showed how some characters it kind of expressed their personality through having them move in a more elastic fluid way or or in a kind of more stop start like on the ones and twos kind of yeah uh, yeah and it was essentially that like you know that that movie ran at like maybe i'm misremembering numbers but i think that movie ran at like a standard like 24 frames per second but the characters were animated at 12 fps or something like that or certain ones were and it gave them this sort of like flip booky feel um yeah that, that sort of made them pop out from the background and feel a little more comic booky in a way um and it really worked in that movie it was subtle and you might not even notice it if you're not like looking for it but it, it definitely had a, a look to it and this is kind of doing that too um i wouldn't say exactly that like it it's like doing it's like a character 12 fps thing but i do think that like the backgrounds can move very fluidly, especially if you have that 60 FPS thing turned on. But the characters themselves, or especially Sable herself, um, animates a little bit like a like hand-animated character. She has like a walk and run cycle that are kind of framey, you know, that looks kind of flip booky. And it made it look and feel more comic booky to me in the same way that like I felt kind of like comic booky about the Spider-Man movie. Um, I, I thought it was a really cool look and it, it's more stark when you're on 60 FPS because the background is v- so smooth and that that character animation, which like you, you you hear that, like the character animates at a low frame rate and you think like that sounds like it might look kind of bad, but actually here it's extremely artfully done. It it looks like a, like a, like a comic book character come to life in a way that I've not really seen done well in 3D before. Um, I think it's really cool. Um, so, and altogether, I'd say like the performance issues on this, I ran into a couple of bugs here and there, but like they're, they seem to be largely solved, at least on my setup. Um, so I think, you know, if you were waiting on that, give it another try. I can't be quite as complimentary with the animation because one thing I did have, um, like the, this, the, the actual gameplay, which we haven't talked that much about, and I think we should, um, is very close to the inspiration of a breath in the wild uh, uh not a, did i call it a zelda a breath in the wild <laughs> yes a breath in the wild <laughs> have you had a breath in the wild uh the it's very close to zelda breath of the wild and putting it into that comparison not all of the animation is like as tight uh there's a lot of comparison points there including like the the way that the bike behaves and things like that and um, there are some things I liked about it, but the uh, I was I felt like I was constantly like clipping into everything like, you know, my bike mm-hmm. would clip into stuff like the the character was not, uh, you know, and it just that's a, when in a game where you're doing a lot of like climbing, you know, kind of like the the source it, or riding around on a bike. The fact that when you're climbing and riding around on a bike, you're like clipping into the environment all the time doesn't look that cool so if you get past that i actually picked parts for my bike that made the bike really small so that it like wouldn't i this is my neurosis i don't like it when my character clips into the environment even if it's just like okay that's just how this thing is animated um so i I switched out my bike parts and my clothes to reduce the clipping and and i was good (laughs) um but the uh 
that is something where I'm like, I, I can't be 100% on board with all the animation in this game. It's not, uh, it's cool looking. Don't it's, get me yeah. wrong. I'm being an a-hole. It is a fully three-dimensional, uh, highly stylized, uh, you know, open world game with tons of art assets and everything uh, from a relatively small team, which is rare and a kind of a massive accomplishment. And so if the, you know, uh, cape clips into a wall every now and then, I don't even really care or notice. Yeah, that's the right way to be. Uh, yeah. That's your 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 experience of this game is better than mine if you don't care about little things like that. So the developer of this game in an interview said that they were they considered uh, 80 days as a big uh, narrative inspiration. Uh, and I think that's an interesting thing to say about an open world game. I mean, you, you can kind of see like a little bit of a through line about like open world with 80 days. It is a game about the world and it is fairly open to you. But but like this is a game about like wandering a sort of fairly wide wasteland uh, in search of your own identity and kind of encountering people and things along the way. Uh, and it is kind of separated into these little story vignettes, you know, you kind of roll into or float into town in various different places and talk to different people. And they give some of them might give you quests or you might find other interesting little story vignettes. Um, and, uh, in many cases, those interactions result in you collecting badges that represent different kind of career tracks in the game, things like uh, cartographers or machinists or guards or other stuff like that. And if you get enough of these various badges of different kinds, then you can kind of go and trade those in uh, for a mask of that matching career. And then when you decide to end the game, which you can do almost any time after you've collected at least two masks, uh, then you get to choose which of those masks that you've collected is going to be your mask for the rest of your life. So while there's a lot of little stories in this, talking about the overall story, there's not much to say. This is the little stories, the little sort of momentary bits that really make up the the, the bulk of this game. Um, and there's no way for us to even attempt to spoil most of that. But like, let's consider this like light spoiler break. I thought it might be fun for us to talk a little bit about some of the the more interesting little vignettes or or stuff that we encountered in the game. Uh, so, what did you see that you know stuck out to you, Shane? In the story, I think my favorite part was, uh, well, first off, the, the starting with just what stuck out to me, this game has a fairly long um, intro right where you're exploring the town and it's it's akin to the kind of plateau sec section in um in Breath of the Wild where you're introduced to both the characters and the mechanics um this game has less in the way of mechanics to introduce you to but a lot more in the way of characters and it spends a lot of time asking you to like uh go out to the edge of the of the valley and collect a bunch of bugs to trade with a little girl who stole the thing that you need to give to the old lady to continue the process of building your motorcycle, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can, so that you can hit the road. I don't really find that kind of quest design appealing. Like you can, when you are designing quests in a game, um, like your basic quest design is, I want you to go and talk to this person, right? You, Go from point A to point B. And most games then kind of complicate that a little bit by having you say, okay, go to from point A to point B and uh, then get a thing or do a thing for someone. And uh, you can then complicate that by, well, they asked me to go and get, uh, they asked me to go get a key. And um, now I go to the key getting place and I get the key, uh, but I can't bring it back because, well, what do you know in between me and them? Now there's another door that needs another key. And then in order to get through that, well, it, you, you can build a whole campaign off of this kind of interaction where it's okay, go and get the key to the next door, but Oh, we complicated it by another lock and key. The, the first section of the game plays out a whole lot like that. It's just a lot of little fetch quests that send you around to different 
places and also send you around quite slowly. I, I was never totally satisfied by how fast I could move in this game. You know, and, yeah. Uh, and, and when I, of course, there is fast travel, but only back to places you've already been. Uh, fast travel is nice, uh, but I would just love faster travel in general in this game. So, so like that's that first section that really stood out to me is like this is just as a slog. I want I want to be talking to these characters. I don't want to be like uh, going and walking over the next fifteen dunes to try and find a bug, right? Um, oh, so I I have to jump in though and say like there's a little of that in this game, but I didn't find that made up the majority of the quests. I agree. I agree. Um, That's the thing. Once you get out of this starting area, you're instantly given a great deal more freedom. And so the, the structure after that is also something that's probably going to be familiar from this classic now classic open world game design, which is you're unlocking areas of the map by getting to really high up places, you know, towers and whatnot in most of these kinds of games. And this, of course, it's these, um, uh, what do they call them? The balloons belonging to the yeah, the cartographers, balloons. cartographers, the cartographers. And yeah, you're buying your maps from cartographers who have parked their balloons always in the least convenient place. Um, that I really like. That's a always, that's always going to work, especially in a game that's all about climbing and exploring. Um, and, and that's at that point you see just how sparse and open the world is like these deserts are truly huge. And when you find those little, um, enclaves of humanity or place places with a puzzle or all sorts of things, that's the thing that really is cool. So the exploration in this game is great because every, everywhere you're exploring looks cool every single quest every single thing to do when you get there isn't always super cool uh but that's now not entirely what you're going to spend most of your time doing you're going to spend a lot of time just trekking around and exploring and you know going up to cool high places and looking around and marking new things that you can see off in the distance that you want to go and and check out so i think that this game is really really focused on trying to like get you to feel like you're exploring the space, uh, exploring the, the, the desert. And most of the quests don't send you very far. You know, most of the quests are like somebody tells you, Hey, there's, there's a, uh, there's a, a thing over there, or they're the sort of more natural quests where it's like you discover, uh, you know, a, a something inside one of these crash spaceships and it, it leads you to think, well, I bet there's a similar thing inside all of the crash spaceships. And if I visit all of them, perhaps I will get something. Um, these sort of very natural feeling kind of quests. I, I do agree that I wish that the movement was a little different or better. Um, you know, you get this cool hover bike that looks amazing, but it, it plays like a floaty mess. It's, it's an absolutely badass looking Vespa is what it is. Yeah. But like it really, it's just sort of like, uh, it like hovers and totters along at a fairly like pokey pace and it bounces and gets flipped over on every high dune. And I know there's like a ton of options for like customizing your, your, uh, your like speeder or whatever. And it, it took me a long time to get enough money to buy any of them. And the ones I bought were not an improvement over my starter ones, which was very yeah. frustrating. Yeah. And then I realized that like, I mean, I went and looked it up. I was like, hey, how do I get, how do I get this thing to, to drive faster? It's so slow. And I realized that like, you basically have to explore the entire map. Uh, in order to unlock better bike parts, at which point it feels like it would be kind of useless because like the whole point is I want to be able to get to those parts of the map I haven't explored yet. Um, so that was a little frustrating. Um, eventually, I kind of got how to control the, the speeder bike, but I was never totally satisfied with its uh, with its speed. Um, but you do kind of have to just be prepared for this to be like, this is a game about these wide open spaces and it's slow to get from one end of the desert to the other. It just is. Um so, you know, the, I think the speed was probably calibrated to to try to make you feel like, well, yeah, walking from here to there takes a while. That's part of it. The bike, while we're on the bike, I just want to bring up how how much, despite everything we just said and how slow this, this effort is, uh, the bike is great. It's actually awesome. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. It's visually, you know, and it's not only does it look amazing, it has lots of ways to look amazing for you to kind of express yourself. 
and the bike is part of the story in a very interesting way. The, the, the culture of these people kind of believes that, um, machines have a soul and that, uh, you know, and that may well be true because it seems like there's, they're built out of scrounged parts from these, um, crashed spaceships that clearly have an AI kind of still resident in them. And, and so this belief that the, uh, is expressed while you're building the bike and then you give it a name and the name of the bike is Simoon, which is, um, absolutely beautiful name. One, uh, means, uh, a warm wind from the desert. And, mm. um, uh, and I, uh, I know that Reagan, you may ring the bell because that is also the name of a magic card that I've had <laughs> since I was 13 years old. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a useless card, but beautiful. It's got a lovely illustration. It's from Tempest, I think, uh, like 1997. Um, so, uh, yeah. So once you've built Simoon, uh, it's also the comparison is there with kind of the breath of the wild thing, um, to say like, okay, it's like the horse, but the horses, just like every piece of gear in breath of the wild, were a little bit disposable, um, the, uh, in fact, like the way they, they worked there also like you, you would hit a button and you'd whistle for your horse and it would appear like 90 degrees behind you. Right. And always ride up. It was very easy to get. Samoon is kind of a, 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 a goon when it comes to like being summoned, you have the button that st- summons the bike. Um, but the bike doesn't like appear behind you. It just kind of tries to get to you from wherever it is. It's and so like dumb. when you've been climbing, <laughs> it's going to get stuck in like weird spots. And then uh, like it, you you do kind of feel like it's this little uh, NPC that you have to babysit a little bit for good and ill. Right. Yeah. I was kind of expecting a more like uh, roach from the Witcher kind of experience where like if you can't see him and you call him and you turn around there he is. Yeah, he's but Schrodinger's it, horse. He just appears yeah. wherever. <laughs> but uh this is literally like it, it has to it has to trundle over from wherever you parked it. And uh sometimes that can be very frustrating. Like especially there's this one section of the map that's like full of these like gigantic pillars that are interconnected by little land bridges. And I like parked it and climbed up on one of these pillars and spent like a good 30, 45 minutes climbing around from pillar to pillar. And, you know, who knows where I parked my bike. And uh, when I finally fell off of one of the pillars by accident and uh, had to bike back to the beginning, well, my bike was nowhere to begin, nowhere to be found. uh, And it took me a long time to walk back to where I had parked it. And, um, you know, of course, I was calling to it the whole time. You've got like a whole dedicated button for like, whoop, to like tell your bike to come to you. Um, but it was too far away. Uh, and so while sure it might've been trying to come to me, it was probably caught on some geometry, you know, twisting in the wind attached to a fern or something and couldn't get to me. So I just had to walk the whole way back. And that's something that's, you know, I guess it's verisimilitude, right? You know, but, um, (laughs) Uh, I I would have preferred uh, uh, like a little bit more aggressive, um, you know, come to me bike kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I I, I do think they they uh, they make it work. And I never like uh, it's although I was wrestling with it sometimes it just felt like, well, Samoon's a stubborn mule, but uh, Mm. she gets me where I want to go. So did you get to the ending of the game? Like, did you get yes. what masks did you get? Sure. So there's a bunch of masks in the game, um, and I didn't co- co- collect nearly all of them. Uh, from what I gather, if you want to play this game completionist style, you're probably going to be spending closer to 20 hours or at least like 15 ish. Um, I spent a little over 12 hours with this game and I got a pretty good selection of masks. You know, you start the game with the quote unquote child's mask and you get an Ibexi mask and those two are free gimmies. And then after that, um, I got, let's see, I got the cartographer's mask, which you can basically buy if, if you find enough of the cartographers and buy enough um 
uh, uh, maps. That's sort of a freebie mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, you um, don't even have to explore the whole map. I did not explore the entire map in this game, and uh, even unlocking all of the areas, I was still able to buy the cartographer's mask. And then I got the uh, I got the guard's mask. That was probably my favorite. That was the one I ended up choosing at the end because you get that by kind of having a, a bit of a long running. Uh, like lots of meat cutes with this uh, this older uh, guard from the city of Ecria who is kind of out exploring the world. And if you just run into her enough and do some little quests for her and you kind of get to know her, um, then you get the guard mask to kind of like pick up where she left off in her career. Um, yeah, I, also... I only picked up the beginning of that quest line, but it, mm-hmm. it seemed like an interesting one. It's interesting that that was your favorite. Yeah, she was just a cool character. I just liked her a lot and enough to kind of just, you know, I, I'm not usually like, heck yeah, be a cop, but like, you know, she seemed really chill and I, uh, I, I was kind of into that one. So that was the one I ended up picking. Also, it's a cool looking mask. Looks sort of like a medieval knight's uh, helmet. Um, and let's see what else I got the, um, uh, also while I was in Ecria, the city, which like, this is, it, it kind of surprised me that there is a sizable city in this, uh, you know, vast wasteland. Um, and it's, you know, sizable by like video game standards, but it's still pretty large. And uh, also while you're there, there's a cool quest line called the Shade of Ecria, where you meet a former bandit um, who wore a scary mask uh, and posed as the Shade of Ecria. And you can take on his mantle and become the Shade of Ecria yourself and get this scary looking mask. That was a cool one. I definitely liked that one. I want to talk about that quest line for a second because um, it was kind of unique in a couple of ways. One, it was... uh, it was a real quick shot. Just okay. You you do X, Y, and Z. You you find the mask, and then you use the mask, and then hey, thanks for helping me out. Keep the mask. Um, but it was a very cool quest. First off, you you have to find the mask by uh, we're in spoiler territory here. Following his symbol, right? So you're exploring mm-hmm. and following the symbol around, and that's actually quite a bit of a challenge, and takes you around through different turns and twists through the city places you probably wouldn't explore otherwise. And then, uh, you get the mask and then you're basically tasked with, uh, scaring a couple of guards, uh, away from a prison. So the guy's son can get out. Um, the scene in which you like scare these guards is so very funny. It's great. I mean, it's, it's not just like a lot of the scenes in this are okay. The, these two characters stand next to each other and emote a couple of times while dialogue boxes show up. This was like full. There was like a, like a dark night spooky, uh, look to it. And, uh, the, the swoop down and like the fear is clear and the, and the guards and they're running off and the, you know, the dialogue and it was good too. Um, so, and the, you know, the way that this game rewards you in, is almost always new ways to kind of express your characterization of Sable, right? Mm-hmm. And and change their look. And the the mask that you get is so great. It's a um it's it's covered in little beady eyes that are constantly moving, which mm-hmm. <laughs> it's creepy looking uh and it's cool. And uh so it's uh you know that's a that's a I think it's a great design for a quest Ecria on the whole is also really, really dense with like mystery, mystery quests. So it's a nice little sidetrack from that to have something mm-hmm. simple um, that you're probably going to do at the same time as you do the bigger mystery in Ecria. Cool. Just overall. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I, I liked Ecria a lot. Um, there's a few other masks that I got. I got the machinist's mask, uh, which you get from, you know, doing a number of um, missions related to various machinists. You get a sense that this is sort of like a, uh, a cast of people that like work with old machines left to them by the people that that uh, that came, originally came to this planet. They don't truly understand the technology they're working on um, because it sort of predates them all. But it's uh, but they're able to get things to work, like customize your bike, for example. Um, I got the guards mask. I got the entertainer mask, and I got one called the sandworm mask. Did you end up getting that or or encountering the sandworm? No, you got quite a few more than I did. 
The sandworm mask is weird because so this game has a a number of things that you could consider sort of like mini Zelda like dungeons, right? Like, you know, you'll sometimes find your way into ships or or ruins that have little puzzles inside them that feel a little bit like a Zelda dungeon. But the sandworm mask came from what felt like easily the most Zelda like dungeon type thing in this game where you have to crawl. In, there's, there's a lot of uh, across the, the desert. There's these like dead massive creatures and you get some backstory at one point that the world was full of these giants um but they were killed when the uh when the spaceships that brought the humans here landed in this area um but the sandworm is this massive like dune type sandworm that's just like looks like it's kind of skeletal or 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 petrified but it's got like a mouth and limbs and stuff and it's sticking up out of the desert in this one particular spot it's kind of hard to get up there but you can climb up to its mouth and climb inside and once you get inside the sand sandworm it's this massive zelda style dungeon um that's there's evidence of somebody else being here before you who like had this sort of creepily worshipful relationship with this sandworm that turns out is only dead on the outside it's still kind of alive inside Hmm. and um uh, you know, if you make your way through the bowels of the sandworm, completing puzzles as you go, you get this incredibly creepy mask that's made out of a floppy head of a baby sandworm. <laughs> uh, it's gross looking. And I, I kind of wanted to choose that at the end, just be, but like it's it's too gross. So I don't I don't know if there's I don't think there's a lot of differences in this game, depending on what mask you choose at the end. You know, it's this, this very uh, stand. You know, I, I think you get to you get, you get a scene at the end where you get to choose for yourself and then kind of fly off into the distance right um, at the end of the game. I don't think there's a lot of differences, but I do kind of feel like if it doesn't have like some kind of like, wait, why the hell did you do that kind of moment? If you choose like the sandworm mask, <laughs> um, then it's missing a trick. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty neat that this gives you so many different options. You don't have to get nearly all of them. I think there are something like 14 or 15 masks. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, like you, you get any two and you can end the game at any point, but mostly you'll probably want to continue until you get at least a, you know, a handful of masks to choose from. Uh, the easiest ones to get are some of the less compelling ones. The really interesting ones sometimes take a little more effort. So, um, yeah, um, I, I yeah. think it's really cool. Yeah, there are 14 masks in the game. And uh, some of them are, of course, so easy to get that they give them to you right at the beginning. And some of them... Uh, you have to collect 100 chum eggs mm-hmm. to get. Uh, there's a certain kind of person who really wants to collect 100 chum eggs. I don't know who that person is, but uh, <laughs> the landscape is spotted with chum eggs. Yeah, I think it's the same people that want to do all the little. Um, what are those things called in Breath of the Wild? The little like leaf people, those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, listeners know what I mean. Uh, little tiny hidden things dotted across the landscape. Um, I am told that if you collect a whole bunch of them, you can go and find their mother and trade them in to increase your, um, uh, what's the word, uh, like your, your stamina to be able to climb Hooray. higher. I never found the place where you can turn those in. So it's obviously optional. Um, yeah, but, I have uh, I, I have to st- stop for a second and talk about my weird relationship with Breath of the Wild. Like this game is obviously inspired by Breath of the Wild, my when I played Breath of the Wild, um, I I basically explored the whole map and I did as many of the little uh, shrines and stuff as I felt like. But I also brought the same kind of approach to Breath of the Wild that I bring to a lot of games. And I was like, OK, is this a short game or a long game? Uh, how long is this game? And I stuck with it for a while. And there's a point in Breath of the Wild where you kind of think to yourself, I bet I could beat Ganon. And so after I had done two of the Divine Beasts, I just went and beat Ganon and ended the game and like left a, just a huge smorgasbord of Zelda on the table uneaten. Um, and so that's kind of how I was in this game. Like I've I've, I've now headed back and I'm, a, I'm about to hit the button to end the game. I think I've experienced maybe a tenth of what this game has to offer. And, and so this is something where I'm like, I'm not totally sure if... You know, I, I don't think I'm playing the game wrong because this is the short game. Yeah, I think this game is definitely built to allow for that. Um, yeah. You know, you, you you pick what direction you're going to fly your bike in. 
and there's a different adventure in every direction and not everybody is going to even hit all the corners of the map and that's fine i i think that's kind of explicitly part of it yeah like you uh but you you if you make a beeline straight for like ecria or whatever you make you stop there by the time you've wrapped up the quest line there you're probably like 5 hours in you might have enough masks to end the game at that point if you wanted and yeah. grandma's going to call you and say hey do you do you want to decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life and and pick your weird face uh, and uh, you could just say yes and that's kind of cool for a game like this yeah i do really like that it, like gives you the option to decide when to end it and it also does the nice thing where it's like are you sure are you really really sure that now you want to end it and then even if you do decide to end it if you load your save, you're right before you made that choice and you're right back to, you know, continuing to explore the landscape if you want. So, um, you know, it really does sort of want to leave things open for you to to go back in and find more stuff if you feel like it, but be able to like close the book whenever you feel like it too and still feel like you got a complete experience. And I definitely appreciate that. And so that is Sable. Like I mentioned at the top, Sable is available on uh, the Xbox platforms and on PC and will probably be coming to other platforms eventually as well. Um, and uh, it's on Game Pass as well if you are a subscriber. I would definitely recommend folks check this one out. Um, if you, you know, Even if you don't typically like open world games for the reasons that we typically don't like open world games on this show uh this is one that's really designed for people who like the kinds of games that we like and uh you know i i found it an extremely chill and fun uh experience and i personally spent um you know i I could have easily ended the game early but i spent almost 13 hours with the game and decided to close the book at that point and felt like i got just the right amount of sable um so yeah check it out um any last thoughts on Sable before we uh, maybe do what's making us happy this week, Shane? Nah, great game. All right. Well, what's making us happy this week? This is a segment that we haven't done in a little while. Yeah. Uh, but Shane, what's making you happy this week? Being able to do the segment that we haven't done in a little while, the segment we call what's making us happy this week is always making me happy. Happy this week. But... I did just watch a movie that I uh, really enjoyed, maybe more so than um, a lot of people did who watched it. Uh, This came out last year, and like a lot of movies that came out last year, not a lot of people were out there seeing movies in the theater. Um, But I watched Old by uh, M. Night Shyamalan, (laughs) and... (laughs) I got to say, I really, really loved this movie. Um, so M. Night Shyamalan has a, a reputation, of course. He's the, like, you know, he's the guy that does the twist endings. Um, and Old puts the twist right in the trailer. Um, <laughs> the twist yeah. is the beach makes you old. Yep. And it's a movie about a beach that if you go there you will get old really, really fast. <laughs> and um, what um, the, the thing about M. Night Shyamalan, the thing about me and M. Night Shyamalan is that I have always been kind of a connoisseur of bad movies. I do love a B movie. Um, but M. Night Shyamalan, I think, transcends like the the horror genre and the kind of B movie status that he kind of has. He he's he's really an excellent filmmaker in terms of just like on a technical level he does interesting shots he does uh often you know cool and interesting stories um and sometimes in M Night Shyamalan movies you you have to kind of sit back and say like who told him that people talk like this like why is this the line reading that you went with, uh, you know, for this for this moment, you but, can do more takes, man. Yeah, but um, but old, it's so a lot of his movies do kind of live or die on like cool concepts, and and old doesn't sound on its face like a cool concept, but in in practice, it actually really is. It's a wait. Did you uh, did you ironically appreciate old or did you? Because I can't tell yet whether you're like you haven't come to a punchline. No, line yet, I so. a hunt. I have. There's I thought no it was line. garbage. No, dude, I loved this movie. 
Really? Yes, I did. Oh, no. No, Old was great. Old was great. Like, um, okay, there's actually there's actually a connection uh, with Old to our topic uh, for this week, uh, and that's through European comics. Old is based on a French comic called uh, Chateau de Sable, which is House of Sand. That's the French word for sable, sand. Ah. Anyway, there's your connection. But um, the the thing that I really liked about it, first off, like I said, visually great. I think it had a little a little iffy ending. Endings are problematic in M Night Shyamalan movies. You think? Yes. Um, but uh, the 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 way in which the story plays out and the incredible way that he uses the camera to create tension. You know, while you're you know, what you're not seeing, like when, when, and this is right in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything. The, uh, the mother is seeing her six-year-old who now has, you know, he's, he's wandered off and come back and she's realizing something's terribly wrong because he has the body of a teenager. Um, like that is, uh, and the way that he plays that out through the blocking, like there's literally a shot in this movie where the camera is, inside of the rib cage of a person who has just decayed into dust. And we're looking through the rib cage up at the people who are like seeing this. Like it's, it's a, it's an, it, there's shots in this that are incredible. And like, and then you have to think about the practicality of like where this movie was filmed, like literally on a beach, which is a, a terrible place to make a film, right? Because the tide's going to come in and out twice a day and and like like how do you make a movie that's set entirely on a beach like this at, where time and time of day are already like something that's so important to like how every shot plays out so i i think on a technical level like old is a masterpiece um in terms I mean, of okay it's like well made i guess but like really though like how well can you really appreciate the filmmaking on something with a premise that is like so completely like like ugh okay I so like you're the, telling the third, me okay the third act I'm, of this film which I don't think we we should spoil here but the third act of this film was super dumb like real dumb and and like the I don't I disagree like I thought the the acting was weird I mean. Okay, like that's part of M Night Shyamalan's thing, like you were saying, like that. But the like the acting was so distractingly unnaturalistic to me, and I don't know, man. Like there is a there is a um, there is a character in this film whose name is Midsize Sedan. That's his rap name. Um, so <laughs> this game, this this is a so th- this is actually something that works for me about the film, also, which is that it is a super over the top heightened melodrama right the the thing that is the things that are actually happening to this to the characters like if you look at this as a like horror movie like okay but if this if you're looking at this about as the about a as a movie about the horror of like getting older and aging and 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 that which is something that you don't see in horror movies like that is not like if you if you're yeah, talking there's, about there's phobias, a body horror element of like suddenly being having like brittle bones or whatever, and they do play that pretty right. well. Like, but the 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 process of aging is not so rapid that it's like suddenly someone is dust. Like the the adults in this film are going through throughout the course of the day, they're going out, they're going through the entire process of like becoming very old and 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 dying of old age, and watching their children grow up too fast. And the like that is a that is a that is a thing that is not portrayed in horror movies, right? Like that is a different kind of fear that is being put on screen than almost any other horror movie that I can think of. Like it's it's more unique, despite it being more basic, a more a more basic human experience and a more basic human fear. And I appreciated that very much. I I but. In order to make that work and not be just like, oh, my skin, I'm getting old. And then, although they do have that, like, oh, my God, this beach <laughs> is making me old. Um, like <laughs> yeah. they do they they do have to make these characters more 
like bigger and broader and more of a of a of a, a melodrama, right? And that to me actually works. So you know, if it might not work for everybody, I guess it didn't work for you. Worked for me. <sighs> oh. Okay. Do you remember Weirdo. the scene where they're sitting around the fucking campfire? I mean, I think it's been a couple of months since I watched this, dude. That's the scene. Like the the that that scene and the scene with the sandcastle. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but people need to know that this movie's good. Even though this movie, let me see on 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 Rotten Tomatoes, where is it? This is why Rotten Tomatoes doesn't know everything sometimes. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Reagan, this movie is currently at a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's higher which, than I expected. I was thinking 30, man. And I think it's because this movie isn't going to work for everybody, but I think that the people that it did work work for gave it a high score. I don't know, man. I don't know. I um, I don't have anything to add to Shane's opinions here other than that, like, if you get 20 minutes into this movie and it's not working for you, then it's just not going to work for you. This no, not- Reagan, that's the problem with the movie because 20 minutes into the movie is when they get to the beach. Okay, okay, p- good and point, good point. That's what, the problem. Okay. Once they get 20 minutes you into really have to getting watch, old. You, you have to watch the whole movie. You can't just bail on this one when it's like, oh, yep, the thing that they promised me in the trailer, the beach makes you old, is why, happening now. Why can't we leave the beach? I don't know, we're too old. Um, <laughs> it, the, the, yeah, that's fine go watch it if you want if you want to do that to yourself i i i will say i'm not like totally i i feel like the ending i did go and dig up the graphic novel the french comic that this is based on mm-hmm. uh, i liked the ending of that better um this one has uh certainly I it had a surprisingly ending. it had a surprisingly like plotty ending like yes I, it like, did it really wanted to like you really wanted you to buy into the the world surrounding the beach that makes you old. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, can't recommend it. Can't. Not at all. So I don't have money. I don't have anything to follow that. I I I I. Nothing makes me happy anymore. You've you've killed all joy. Yep. In my life, Lo- I was gonna I was I was gonna recommend uh I was literally gonna recommend an app, and now it's dumb. And we're all done. So um, I'm too old to do that now. Uh, I would. Uh, I, I'm playing a little bit of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy on uh, on my computer, and that is a pretty good video game. But I don't have much to say about it. That's making me happy right now. Um, go play a video game. Don't 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 watch the beach that makes you old. Uh, do watch the watch watch old guys. Like love him or hate him. You know, M. Night Shyamalan makes a movie that nobody else makes. I, it, 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 this was like only slightly above the the trees that make you die one. Um, what was that one called? Uh, the Happening. Have you seen The Happening, Shane, with Marky Mark? I have not watched The Happening. Oh, my God. You haven't seen? The, oh, my God. So, Shane, go if you like old, go watch The Happening. If you are If you are baffled by his like lack of directing directing actors and his like willingness to accept a take and a line read that wouldn't come from any human being ever like i think maybe he was just intimidated uh by mark Wahlberg. like he was afraid that mark Wahlberg was gonna like beat him to death the way that he did with that other guy that one time like that he would not direct mark Wahlberg. But, like, Mark Wahlberg turns in the most bafflingly horrible performance you've ever seen in a film (laughs) in in a movie about uh, trees making you commit suicide. Uh It's so goddamn bad. And I would say old is only slightly not as bad as that. Um, So, yeah, I would recommend, actually, watching The Happening because it feels more special in its garbaginess. Honestly, dude, now I can't wait. I can't fucking wait to watch the happening. Thanks for the wreck. You're you're welcome. You Honestly, know? yeah. But if you like old, huh, go watch the happening. It's great. It's it's awful, but it's it, I, I found it more entertaining in a bad good movie kind of way. I just really think Shyamalan should do an anthology horror. You know, because he's so good at the uh that like Twilight Zone episode concept kind of horror. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, why hasn't he done something like VHS? 
I just watched that that you know, new VHS. Oh, did the you new see that one? one? Like the like VHS ninety four or whatever. Yeah, right? VHS like, ninety four yeah. with the Rat Man. No, I haven't, I haven't seen that one yet. Ooh, the fucking spoil, whips, dude. The, don't don't spoil that. There's a Rat Man. Well, if there's a rat, surprise by the like Rat Man. It's like the first five minutes. Talks, they start talking about Rat. There's man. a Rat Man in the first five minutes. They start talking about Rat Man like right away, dude. Now I'm sold. All right, cool. There's a picture they draw of the Rat Man. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> All right, I'm into it. Somebody into gives it. you like a composite sketch. Like, people have reported seeing this rat man. <laughs> dude, check uh, it. Check that movie. You should watch that tonight, dude. You'd man. love it. You love it the most. I would. <sighs> this is why we shouldn't record our conversations when it's just the two of us. There's moderating influence having the other two co-hosts here. Nah, nah. People need to know. All right. All right. This I'm is public service. It. Guys, old and uh, VHS 98. Four, whatever it is 98 all right Both 90 something yeah yeah all the vhs yeah. movies are at least interesting not all good but the first yeah. one was really good i thought new one new one's great well uh that's it for the short game thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode uh you can find us on the internet at www.theshortgame.net where you'll find uh all the ways to contact us, our, our contact form, our email address is up on there. But you can also find us on Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, you can find us on Patreon. We didn't mention this at the top of the show, but this show is supported entirely by uh, our listeners on Patreon. And uh, if you join us there, even at just a dollar a month, you get immediate access to our Discord. That's where we uh, talk about the games that we're playing. Uh, we have a questions channel there. So if you have a question for the show or a topic suggestion, uh, we'd love to hear them there. Uh, we're going to try to do that as a as a recurring segment. And uh, if you, uh, we also have a What's Making Us Happy channel. If you just want to let us know about what horrible movie you want to come in and uh, and fervently defend, you can come in and, and talk to us there. And, and uh, we'd be glad to have you. Uh, and if you support the show at the $5 level, which a number of folks have done recently, and we very much appreciate them then i will send you some stickers uh and so uh they're really nice stickers uh they so, are i actually kind of need some more stickers because i'm i just replaced my laptop and i'm running out of stickers to put on how things many, how many stickers did you put on your laptop I, well i gave a lot of them away right. and then well, a couple that's of them were in for. my pocket and then i washed my pants oh i yeah um, i Understood. Well, we'll get you some more, Shane. And uh, you, you can get more if you back at the $5 level, Shane. So, uh, of course, you can also find me on Twitter. I'm Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. And Shane, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at 8BitShane. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.